Welcome to the Wealthy Woman Podcast, aka your holistic guide to being a wealthy woman. I'm your host, Donnie, and on this show, I talk to the dopest women experts, entrepreneurs, influencers, corporate baddies, and occasional wildcard guests while they share their wisdom from the experiences that brought them to where they are today. So let's upgrade our lives together, but more importantly, let's get wealthy. On this episode, I'm speaking with Cynthia Johnson. She is a cosmetic chemist, and she's also the founder of Cinti J Labs and The Cosmetic Concept. Back when I was teaching on how to start a beauty brand, I used to refer all of my students to her to have their custom formulations made for their products. I absolutely love what she does. She is one of the few black women cosmetic chemists that specialize in helping small businesses develop their products for an affordable cost. So I absolutely love everything that she's done over the years. And I've always tried my hardest to support her business and send people her way. So I'm super excited to be having this conversation with her today. She's going to be sharing exactly what you need to know about starting a beauty brand and what the process is for product development. If you are interested in that, I think this episode is going to be really eye-opening and help you put things into perspective. But also too, if you just have your own business and you're currently in the process of doing some product development, or if you just really love beauty and learning more about the beauty industry, this is going to be really interesting to listen to. I myself really enjoy this conversation because I don't get to talk about beauty a lot anymore. So this was really fun. And I hope you enjoy it as well. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. I remember that I found you during quarantine or the lockdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found you through the retail boss. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if um, you still like do anything with them, but I found you through that platform. And I was also teaching how to start beauty brands at that time. Yes. So when I came across what you were doing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is so aligned. This is so cool. Mm -hmm. And also too, for me at that time, I also had my own beauty brand. Like I had a skincare line (laughs) and oh girl, that was, that was a lot. Um, because I was formulating all the stuff and making it all myself. Right. And I'm not a chemist. I remember that. <laughs> yes. And I don't know that like a lot of people now, if they remember that about me or even know that like people that have found me recently, but yeah, I was sitting up here kind of formulating and doing all my own stuff. And then, um, after a while I ended up hiring a chemist to like do the formulation, but I was still testing it and, right. and give and telling them how it went and stuff. Cause it was just more affordable for me to do it that way. Right. So I would be like, okay, this is what happened. And then they would like, uh, you know, do something else for me to test. Mm-hmm. And then I came across you and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> wow. Why hasn't anyone done this before? So you are a cosmetic chemist yes. and you also have your own business where you formulate beauty products for small businesses when they want to start their own beauty brand. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh my gosh, where have you been all my life? <laughs> I get that a lot. I get that a lot. <laughs> yes. So then that following year, I started um, my course Beauty Boss. And we had a lot of students in that program. And a lot of them, um, we, we would always give them options on how to start. We would say you could private label, you can make your own products. Right. Or you could go to Cindy J Labs. Yes. And so we sent a lot of people your way. And so many people were like, oh, she's the best. Oh, uh, <laughs> my goodness. Thank you. Yes. So how did you even get into, like, what, what made you want to be a chemist? How did you get into all that? Yes. Well, first off, thank you so much for referring 
those clients to me. I mean, they have been amazing. They talk about your course. They love Donnie. They say, yes, Miss Donnie oh. told me to contact you. So <laughs> I, I love everything about it. So thank you. Definitely wanted of course. to that was said. Um, so I started getting into cosmetic chemistry at the age of 15 when I was oh at Baltimore Polytechnic Institute and high, uh, for high school. And my professor saw chemistry in my future. He said, you are very analytical, but you're innovative. So let's see what we can do with that um, as far as chemistry. And I told him I wanted to play basketball. I wanted to play volleyball on a professional level. And I just didn't see chemistry in my future. And he said, just, you know, you need a plan B. Let's, let's just try and figure that out. So he asked me, what am I fascinated about? What am I I'm passionate about? And I told him, I love my hair. I love my skin. And he said, you need to look into cosmetic chemistry. As soon as I did that, I told myself, girl, you have to be a cosmetic chemist. Like, it's it, it's just no question. Like, this is what you need to, to work towards. So I went to Lincoln University and received my Bachelor of Science degree in chemistry. And then I received my Master of Science degree in Cosmetic Science or Pharmaceutical Sciences with an emphasis in Cosmetic Science, but we shorten it to Cosmetic Science. And I knew that I had to get that hands-on experience, so I started working at a contract manufacturer, you know, just to give me some, some insights and education, hands-on experience with Cosmetic Science. But it wasn't until I learned about network marketing that I wanted to become a business owner. You know, I was thinking if I'm going to become a cosmetic scientist, I'm going to start working for Johnson & Johnson, the L'Oreal's, the Estee Lauder's. I was going to be the best chemist for them, not knowing that I would be starting my own business. So I have to thank, of course, network marketing for that. So that's where it all started. That passion drove me to become a, a cosmetic chemist all, and, and also a beautypreneur. Wow. Okay. So wait, so you said that network marketing is what did it, right? Like what made you decide to start your own business? So was it that you saw these women like doing network marketing because they wanted their own business and they didn't have another option for starting a beauty brand? Yeah. It's crazy because with network marketing, it showed you that you can have options. You know, you don't just have to work for someone else or you don't just have to have one business. You can have multiple streams of income. So they really showed me the mindset of a serial business owner. And I, that's when I said, yeah, I have to do this. You know, I have to, of course, work at this contract manufacturer just to get that hands-on experience and education, what to do, what not to do, but then also start my own laboratory so that I can help business owners and small businesses. So, you know, once it was time to take Cindy J full time, I was able to have those skill sets and that mindset of being a business entrepreneur. That makes a lot of sense. Because uh, now when I'm thinking back, you're right. There, I feel like there was like this shift. And I don't know if it was because of um, TCB. I think it's called TCB trading, right? I, I haven't gone to the site in so long. But like TCB trading popped up, Etsy popped up, and it was like inspiring people to craft a lot. Right. And that those were the only people that I saw having their own small business beauty brand outside of people that were doing network marketing exactly. and the people that didn't want to like physically um, make their own products or maybe they didn't have the extra money 
you know, because right. it costs a lot of people don't understand that. We'll get into that. The cost <laughs> right. of having a beauty brand. <laughs> it's a very profitable industry, but it's very expensive to get into it because of the minimums and right. the the formulations and the process of getting it started is a lot. But um, you're right. I did not think about that because it's just it's not it wasn't as accessible years ago. Exactly. And and a lot of people were like, okay, well, I will just join a network marketing company and sell Mary Kay or sell Avon or sell, um, what is the lip, you know, the lipstick one where they have a, just a bunch of different lip colors, like lip, lipsy or something. I don't know, girl. Yeah. It's, it, that's, it sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but they, I just know that a lot of people were doing that, but that makes so much sense. They weren't just doing it because it was another business, but like, if they had a true interest in beauty, that was the easiest way to get into it. Right. That is so interesting. So, yeah. So then I, and that was why I got into it because, um, not just because I had such a huge interest in beauty. I've always loved beauty, right? Like that's just my thing. But I think more so, um, I, I, for me, because I started seeing all the people do Etsy stuff and all of that. And also too, because the beauty industry Anybody that is into in beauty will tell you beauty makes a lot of money. Yes, it just does. always will make a lot of money. Yes, that is one thing we gonna spend some money on is our beauty yes. products. <laughs> and it's statistics show that you know the beauty industry between 2023 and 2025 will hit that 60 to 70 billion dollar mark. So you know, and the main consumer, of course, are Black women. So we're doing something right. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. And so when I saw that, I was like, I, I saw also an uptrend in people looking it up on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Like, it was just like, all of a sudden, all these videos were popping up of people talking about how to start a beauty brand, how I started my uh, lipstick line, my lip gloss, especially the lip gloss, because that was the easiest yes. thing to do. Yes. And so, <laughs> and, but also too, on those videos, not where they, not only were they just popping up, but they had so many views. Right. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh. So. <laughs> Not only do people want to buy the beauty products, but they want to learn how to do it. So I wasn't even hopping into it thinking I'm going to become a coach. Yeah. I was just like, this is going to get me views on YouTube. Yes. And so I was thinking, hopefully, as they're watching this, they'll want to buy my products. But I documented that process right. of starting my brand and trying to do the formulations and stuff. And now looking back, it just looks so cringy, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but that definitely like validated that this was a market to tap into. Absolutely. And I think you and I like stepped into it right at the cusp of like people figuring out how to do it at a low cost, but on a professional level. Exactly. exactly. Yes. Right on the nose yes. with that professional level at that, that minimum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so let's talk about that because. When you start a beauty brand, like I said, it's very expensive if you are going to do it the traditional way. Like, traditionally, what does that process look like compared to what you make it look like for your clients now? Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, in a traditional sense, you want to have your consultants come into place. And, you know, I know people, they try to do things their own way. But in a traditional sense, once again, you have consultants that are that are helping you with that brand development. So when it comes to branding, to marketing, research and development, hiring a chemist, um, but then it goes beyond that. We have to get into packaging, into labeling, regulatory, manufacturing, fulfillment, distribution. And yes, those things take time and it also takes money. 
Um, I do know that a lot of people are looking for ways to condense that timeline, but from a traditional sense, it takes 10 months to maybe, I want to say 14 months to be completely honest, to launch a product the right way. Um, and then you have, of course, your testing that has to be taken into place and not just testing on the formula, but testing on your packaging, you know, testing the market as far as your, your marketing exposure, your brand exposure. So there's so many different things that tie into, you know, that process. I always like to see it as starting off with your brand, getting into your marketing strategies, your research and development, and then into your manufacturing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So now when, when working with you, what does that look like, you know, on a smaller level, if someone's trying to be, you know, make it more accessible and easy to start? <laughs> Absolutely. So with us, um, just from a formulation sense, we sit down, of course, with the consumer, with the client, just to see what they're looking for. You know, we, we dream big. You know, we have these these um, mind dumps that we need to get into. We talk about the different products that we want to um, sell to our consumers. And it seems like my idea cannot come into concept. So that's where we come into place with the concept. So we're going to talk a little bit about that product. What is your, your desired claim for your product? What ingredients do you want to include? What ingredients do you want to avoid? I mean, we're not going to get into that conversation as far as clean beauty and, and toxic, non-toxic ingredients, but we still want to hear from you because this is your product. So what ingredients do you want to avoid? What is the color? What is the fragrance? Well, who is your competitive target? So all of these different questions that we'll ask the consumer or the client will help us as far as the research and development team to create that product. Um, so then after we have talked through that consultation, we've set up contracts, got into to invoices, now we're going to get into the research and development piece of the process. We're going to research the ingredients. We're going to talk to different raw material specialists or suppliers to see if they're on the right trend. You know, you may start off in 2023, but you may not launch until 2024. So let's see what that trend will, you know, that projected trend will look like in 2024. So we're going to gather all of this information, develop your product, send it to you for that consumer evaluation. And then before we sell you those property rights, we have to, to be very, very cognizant of testing. Testing is so important when it comes to product development. And, and I do feel the industry is getting better. And when I mean industry, I mean the small business industry. They are starting to learn that, okay, I do need testing for my formulation. I do need to get stability testing. I do need to get microbial testing, package compatibility testing, clinical testing. So we want to make sure that we're very, very transparent with the type of testing that they need for their product. Um, and then we'll get into the property rights. Okay. Thank you for breaking that down because I, I think it's always something that goes over people's heads. Or that the, it, 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 Actually, it's not that it goes over their heads. It's that they don't know all of those things you just mentioned. Right. And so that is why the timeline can't really be condensed. Correct. Because you, with beauty, you just have to do all those things. You can't really skip steps. Exactly. And also, too, I think that's, I hope that that makes it make sense as to why it's so expensive to start a beauty brand. Mm -hmm. Because 
one, you have to go through all those steps, whether you're doing a small or a large batch. But then that's what motivates people to go on and search for really good distribution and get their products in store. Because why would you go through all that without getting it to the masses? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I've learned that early on. Um, Of course, early on, my prices were or my uh, investment was a little bit lower um, than it is today. You know, when people came to me, it was on a very small scale as far as that investment. But those same clients that I see, I actually don't see, you know, in like the the major retailers or, you know, um, doing a brick and mortar or getting into social media. But then once I started increasing that line of investment, now you start to see people taking it serious. Like, okay, I'm making this investment. I have to take this to the top. You know, I have to take this into, you know, a major retailer or get into distribution or whatever the case may be. I see that time being put in. So I, I agree with yeah. you 100 percent on that. Right. And I think I think that goes into the argument that like people get so frustrated when people have high prices for things. But the reality is I we want to help as many people as possible. Absolutely. Make impact all those things. But from a teaching standpoint, from a service provider standpoint, mm-hmm. your clients do not get the same results when they don't have as much skin in the game. Exactly. Because it's something about that when you go through the process mm-hmm. and you really like spent a good amount of money or there's some kind of sacrifice that you had to make to make this happen, <laughs> you're going to see it through. You're going to make sure that it does well. Okay. And, you know. I think for them, they always feel like we're just trying to take their money, but it's like, no, I want you to do well because that more so reflects better on me. Exactly. Than you just, me just taking your money. That does nothing for me. <laughs> Who's only benefiting, you know, one side. We want to make sure we're doing this in a collaborative effort where both yeah. sides are benefiting. Actually three sides, myself, the client and the client's consumers. So that is something, yeah, (laughs) we got to take a little bit more serious. (laughs) Exactly. You have to just like, it's just so important. Yeah. But yeah, I love that you talked about that. The property rights, the Mm -hmm. um, testing, the testing, right? Like that alone, when I used to tell my students about that, Mm -hmm. a lot of times that would like, they would be like, wait, what? Because this is the thing. And also too, teaching that course was so challenging. And that was why I stopped because Mm -hmm. the more options you give people, the more over explaining you have to do, the more, you know what I mean? Like there's just so many, when you go this direction, there's certain stuff you don't have to do if you don't go that the other direction, you know? And so if you're doing private label, all that stuff is taken care of for you, right? Everything. (laughs) Whereas if you go the opposite route and you're like, I'm going to do all this from scratch because, you know, there are people that are very particular. They want to do everything from scratch. Yes. Um, And so they're like, I'm going to go that route. And that's fine. But you have to do all of these steps to make sure your stuff is in order because everybody wants to be the next Fenty. Everybody wants to be the next, you know, rare beauty. But if you're going to get to that level, you're going to have to backtrack right. and do all these steps anyway to get to that level. There it is. There it is. Yes. It's crazy because um, with private label, and I have nothing against private label whatsoever. It, it works for some people. It works for yeah. some chemists as well. And I noticed that a lot of beautypreneurs that come to me, you know, they're always trying to reverse engineer a private label product that they may have purchased because they're ready to get into custom formulation. Now, I always tell people, write down your pros and cons of your custom formulation and your private label. 
and really mm -hmm. stick to that and figure out which route you would be instead of investing money in this type of, of formulation and then going into the next type of formulation. So it's it, it's all about your time and your budget and integrity too. You know, do you want something that's different from the market or do you want something where you're just slapping your label on? Either or it's fine. It's, it's going to come down to your marketing. Yes, absolutely. And actually, okay, let's get into that. Let's get into the formulation side of things. Because if someone's trying to develop a product, or they want to come work with you, or, you know, nine times out of 10, they have an idea of the products that they want and all that. But what information would they need to have ready to present to you to begin working with you or so you could get started? Now, really quick, I have to interrupt the video because if you're watching this and your life is just not where you want it to be, and you're ready to manifest more for yourself, I have a training linked in the description of this video. And in this training, I'm breaking down all the steps to reinventing yourself and creating your dream life. I've used this exact method twice. And each time I was able to transform my life within just a few months, I literally had a completely new life. So if you're ready for that to happen to you, click the link and watch the training once you're done with this video. Absolutely. I would definitely say to have a plan of when you would like to launch. I always like to, to hear people's thoughts because then I get to really dissect what that process looks like so that they can understand, okay, I need to invest a little bit more time. So that's always our number one question. And then it comes down to the actual characteristics. We want clients to, to come prepared as far as, you know, the attributes of their product. You know, what is your target market? Your target market is super, super important. And I'll tell you a quick story um, that I, I dealt with uh, a young lady a couple years ago about her target market. She wanted to target everyone, you know, target everyone as far as um, skincare. And she didn't care if it was dry, if it was oily, combination sensitive, whatever the case may be. So we wanted to create an all around product for her. So we created that product. But then once she started doing consumer testing, she realized that she could not target everyone because everyone had something to say about the product. So that's something that we want to definitely figure out before we move forward with development. We want to make sure what is your target market? Are they in urban communities? Are they spending money on certain products? What is their spending habits? Where are they located? Where do they party? You know, where these, these things are very important when it comes to the habits and the behaviors of your target market. So once we get into that, you know, the, the client also has to realize, okay, am I going to make it easily accessible? Do I want something that's in a jar? Do I want something that's in a bottle? Am I able to just scoop it out or am I able to just pump it or spray it? Those are the different things that, again, psychologically, people are going to think about when they are testing your product. You know, jars is something that people are staying away from nowadays, you know, because of all the microbes that could be, you know, in your finger that you put into the jar. That's something that that people have to think about as well. So instead of a jar, let's look into an airless jar. Instead of, you know, a nozzle tip, let's look into a dropper. So, again, all of these things we have to think about before we even touch the type of ingredients you want before we even touch the color, before we even touch the fragrance. So those are the different things I would say definitely consumers should think about before reaching out to a chemist. 
Oh, that was so good. Cause that is not even where my head went, but that was good because it reminded me of my program. Like I used to get so many people, <laughs> this is what people would do. They would come into the program mm-hmm. and I had it dripped. Like you can't, you need to do it week to week because I know how people are. They like to skip steps. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> the first part was all about all of that, all mm-hmm. like your target um, customer and yeah. understanding their wants, their needs and picking a product based on that. Right. But the problem was people would come into the program with an idea of what they wanted to do already. Mm-hmm. And so they were very much focused on that and they love to try to skip over. Yeah. And so a lot of people would just like be like, okay, well, I'll just wait till next week when the next part <laughs> is open and just ignore it. And then we'd have these conversations where they're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know, weeks and weeks later, they're like, oh my gosh, for some reason, things aren't working. I don't understand. And then it would always go back to that first part of the program <laughs> because they skipped it. Right. And it's like, that's why you keep running into problems. You're oh, you're trying to not create the product centered around the person that you're catering to. You're trying to create a product that you like. And that's the problem. <laughs> yes, I've had, a, I've had a few of those too. It, it was always the hard truth, but... Yeah, that that's just what it is. It's not about it's about your brand, but it's not about your brand. I always tell people, you know, you have to think about your consumer first. I mean, if you may want your brand to look pretty, have the pinks and the purples and and everything looks nice. But at the end of the day, it does come down to your consumer. And what solution are you offering your consumer? You know, are absolutely so. Absolutely. And I think that um I think people just oftentimes they think that their ideas are just so great. Not that ideas like your ideas can be wonderful, right? But when you sometimes everything in your idea does not align. Sometimes they, you know what I mean? Like you have to make it all come together. And this idea may not be best for what you're trying to execute. Exactly. Um, but all of that is so important. Even I heard recently that people with disabilities, mm-hmm. they absolutely love Rare Beauty's products because of the packaging. Okay. And so, you know, and I didn't even think about that. I was like, I did not, I mean, of course, I don't have a, a physical disability that would prevent me from like using products a certain way, mm-hmm. but that's just something to consider. And with them, they're all about inclusivity. Yeah. And so if you are catering to an audience, you know, like that, those are things you need to be thinking about. Is my product going to be easy to use for people with disabilities if I'm trying to be inclusive. So, but that's just an example for those that are listening. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a great example. And that's a great way of thinking too. I mean, we're all about, you know, being inclusive and we're shouting out inclusivity when it comes to one specific thing. We have to think about everything else as well. So exactly, exactly. No, that's so, that's such a good point that you made. Okay. So, and then also I'll say this, when I was working with my chemist, um, once we got past that point of like, you know, cause I, and I will say this when I, when I developed pivot, mm-hmm. I had had several other brands before that. And I learned this lesson that you're talking about from all those failed times. <laughs> and I said, okay. We're going to develop a brand that has nothing to do with me and what I like or what I think is cool. Yes. I'm going to do research. I'm literally going to sit here and research. And at the end of the day, a lot of people loved Pivot. Like they absolutely loved what it stood for, what it meant, all the things. Yes. And I personally, I was not the target customer. As much as I loved what I built, I, that was just not me. Right. Um, but it worked. It worked really well. So once I got to working with my chemist, 
the main thing that we were focusing on was the performance of the product, right? Mm -hmm. And so one thing that helped a lot was um, I, and I don't know how you feel about this, but they let me do it. So they would have me bring like, um, like, of course, tell them what I want the product to do and all that stuff. And then I would bring them several products on the market that had the kind of formulations that I like and the ingredients that I like so that they could understand, you know, like, okay, this is where she's going for. And then they could formulate something based on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something that you would recommend to people? Yeah, I would definitely, definitely recommend, you know, just, it's all about your mindset. You know, where does your mindset take you? And again, just learning from network marketing, you know, that has to be the number one thing. So if that mindset is taking you down that path, then find the solutions that's going to help you take you down that path. I always and I always tell my clients that, too, even from a Cindy J standpoint or um, cosmetic concept standpoint, when that mindset is focused and direct, you can have those consultants come help you with that path that you're looking towards. Okay, Mm -hmm. that makes total sense. Yes. Okay. I'm loving this conversation, by the way. This is really good. Me too. I'm like, oh, do I want to get back into consulting? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I just haven't talked about beauty in so long, in like over a year, I would say. And so this conversation, yeah, yeah, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. So this conversation, I'm just like, oh, this is actually fun. I forgot how fun this is. Right. Um, (laughs) Okay. So. Um, I know that, like I, like we talked about getting, um, this off the, off the ground, like a beauty brand off the ground can be expensive. Right. Um, and you yourself ended up getting funding for your business. And I, and I was so proud of you. Like, I'm I'm sure you've gotten funding like beyond what you shared, but when you first started sharing it and we saw how things were expanding for you and all the clientele you were gaining through, you know, all of us promoting you and stuff that was just like making my heart so happy. And so (laughs) can you share what that process was like? Because I know there's a lot of people listening that are like, how do I get the money to even grow my business or start my business? Yeah, definitely. I would say there's two directions that I would suggest a beautypreneur taking when it comes to funding or just finding capital in general. Utilize your state. Your state has money. They have money to, to give. They have money to loan. It is there. It's all about just finding it. So what I did was I went through an agency called the MBDA, the Minority Business Development Agency. So see if your state has any development agency um, in place and then join that agency, reach out to the, uh, to the director of that agency, get close with them, build a relationship with them. Because if you build a relationship with that director, they're always going to remember you. They're always going to remember, okay, there's a grant coming. Let me reach out because I know what she's looking for. You know, we try, sometimes we try to hold back on our dreams to, you know, just telling people our dreams or, you know, including people in our dreams. But sometimes it's okay if you include the right people because they will let you know, like, hey, you need to get it on this grant. I'll give you a referral, whatever the case may be, whatever that process looks like. Um, So I joined the MBDA and because of that, I was able to connect with people that had their own organizations outside of the MBDA. So I received a grant. It's called the Baltimore Base Grant. And um, I have to make sure I say it right for people that are not from Baltimore. The Baltimore Base Grant. Mm -hmm. And um, with that grant, of course, they wanted to see how you were impacted with COVID. 
And I was very, you know, transparent. Cindy J was not impacted on a negative route. We were impacted on a positive route, but our consumers were impacted on a negative route. So if they're impacted negatively, then we're impacted ne uh, negatively when it comes to that chain. So I had to let them know, like, hey, you know, with this funding, I'm, I want to be able to get into contract manufacturing and to help business owners with those small number of units because they have a pain point. They cannot afford the larger manufacturers or that, you know, large amount of, of um, units that has to be produced. So again, being transparent with people, letting people know your story, being honest with yourself and being honest with that person on the other end. And then with that, because again, being a part of the MBDA or the development agency, I was picked as the top, I wanna say the top 10, and then it was finalized to the top three. And that's how I was able to, to get that grant. So please, please, please reach out to your state's development agencies, the Small Business Administration. They, it's funding out here. It's just, how are you going to get it? How are you going to put yourself, how are you going to differentiate yourself from other people with getting those grants? Um, I would say- Oh, that is so good. To, um, a second thing would also be to join nonprofit organizations. So whether it's, you know, nonprofits where they're accelerating beauty, or again, they're, they're in the development phases of the beauty industry, or maybe even, again, the small business administrations or the CEWs, um, the Certified Executive Women, I believe that's what it's called. You know, definitely get into those nonprofits and make yourself known so that you can build that relationship. That is such good advice. Thank you. Such good advice. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like, when you were trying to get funding, make sure that you keep an open mind because there are actually so many options out here, so many ways that you can get money. Mm -hmm. And there, there's people waiting to give it out. Like that is what their whole organization is for, <laughs> to give out this money. Yes, yes. Yeah. And that's say, good though. Um, just don't get discouraged. You know, keep applying for grants. You know, you may not get the first, you may not get the 10th, or you may not get the 20th. Keep applying for grants. Something will come. Um, and I, I will also ask for feedback. You know, what is the reason why I did not get this grant? And then for your next one, you can tweak your responses a little bit more or tweak your story just a little bit more. Instead of saying it this way, let's 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 put a different hook on it and still keep that same um, storyline. So when you were when you were um reaching out and trying to get grants and all of that mm -hmm. how long did it take like were, were you doing this process for like years or was it months or like what did it look like for you oh um I would say the first couple of years being in business when I started writing grants it wasn't like it was very spacious it wasn't you know, apply a grant this week and then the next week and then the following because I really wasn't in that headspace. Of course, being in my, my parents' basement at the time and, and really not thinking about grants or expansion. But then once COVID hit, that's when I said, okay, girl, we got to figure out what's the next step. What's the next level? Because you're already at this level and you're, you're growing vastly. But once you grow, there may be a point where you stop. So how do you get over that hump? So I had to think long-term. So that's when I really started getting into learning about different agencies, different nonprofits, um, the different uh, grant writing techniques to help me with that. Um, for the grant that I received with the Baltimore Base Network, I believe I applied, I want to say I applied maybe in the wintertime 
And then in the spring, um, maybe the beginning or middle of the spring, that's when I received that email. So it took a, a season for them to to make those um, to make those those decisions. But I will say to people, you know, create a spreadsheet for yourself. Keep up with all of the grants that you have maybe submitted and then put a date on it. When did I submit? What is the deadline? What does it look like so that you have some type of track record with your grants? Good. Okay. That's great advice. Mm -hmm. So, okay. You did mention, um, cause I did want to touch on this and I forgot to earlier. Mm -hmm. You did mention that you, when people work with you, you connect them with, um, contract manufacturing. Mm -hmm. And so can you explain that? Like, what's the difference between going through a big manufacturer and then doing contract manufacturing mm -hmm. and how that's more accessible and all of that? Yeah, absolutely. So contract manufacturers are typically manufacturers that either have their own brand or they are helping out their consumers. Um, they are the third party resource. So they're having they have a contract with a brand owner in order to scale up their products. So with contract manufacturing, they can come in all different sizes. Contract manufacturing can range 10,000 plus units to maybe even 150 to 100 units. It just depends on finding that right manufacturer. Um, of course, with Cindy J, we have those resources for any type of manufacturer, whether you want to start off small or you just you're, you're ready to go big. You're ready to get those thousand units, those 5000 units. Um, so we make sure we have that hub of contract manufacturers in line. So that when a client comes to us and says, hey, I'm ready for contract manufacturing, I'm, re I'm ready to scale up my product, we already know who to go to. Um, so that's the beauty of manufacturing. You know, it, it's so many different sizes, um, so many different capacities, um, so many different minimum order quantities so that people do have options. Okay. So, um, cause I know you used to do this years ago, but do you still do that to where people like once you formulate a product, they can get like a small amount from you or do you just directly, um, you know, pass them off to the contract manufacturers? Yeah. So I directly, now I directly take them to a manufacturer or advise them on which manufacturer to go to. I did do small uh, batches here, but I started to learn that people were asking for more. You know, they were starting to ask for my minimum and then wanted to create different batches from different times. And I would let them know, like, hey, you might as well go to this manufacturer and just get your bulk done at once. So you're not getting any type of inconsistency, any type of, of accuracy or precision problems. Um, you may have more water content in this batch than the other batch. That's just that's just the nature of, of creating multiple batches. Instead, you should just create one big batch and that will be, you know, you'll have a, a more precise or accurate um, bulk size or a bulk container. Um, for us, also, we have to think about the new regulations of FDA, um, which is called the MOPRA. And um, they're supposed to be having some type of, uh, I guess, like a city hall or a town hall um, meeting where people can come and ask questions as far as what these new regulations look like. But this is going to affect a lot of people when it comes to manufacturing, when it comes to developing products in general. So I would definitely take a look at the FDA's website to figure out when that date is for the MOBRA um, town hall. Wow, I didn't know that. But yeah, that 
that was always something or and, and it still is something that you have to keep up with. If you are in beauty, you have to keep up with the FDA regulations, the changes, mm-hmm. because they're always changing and they're always updating things. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> <sighs> okay. But no, that's great to know for anyone that's like, you know, just trying to get a clear understanding of what this process is going to look like and how that will all work. Yeah. Because um, I know you have to like, you know, you have to mentally prepare yourself. You have to prepare your funds. You have to prepare all the things. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So no, that was great. And I'm I'm so happy that you went over the funding piece because mm-hmm. I think um, like we just have to keep that in mind. You can, you can get working capital, you could get grants, you can get investors. There's so many routes. And so if you are interested in that, definitely start by trying to get grants, do pitch competitions. Um, And for those that are listening, if you've been a longtime listener, um, you might remember when Alicia Scott was on the show and she talked about how she got grants for Range Beauty and stuff. So these two episodes, I would definitely take notes Mm -hmm. on um, that whole conversation because it'll be super helpful if you're trying to get grants. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so... You have the cosmetic concept and Cindy J Labs. Mm-hmm. So what is the cosmetic concept? Because we've been talking about Cindy J Labs this whole time. So what is the cosmetic concept? Yeah. So the cosmetic concept is an inclusive beauty brand as well as Cindy J. But we're more on the resource side. Um, we do sell products. We sell a planner for product development, which is going to help beautypreneurs with that product development strategy. You know, like I said before, you know, people are looking for formulation, but it's not just about formulation. It's about your branding. It's about marketing. It's about finding the right manufacturer, the labeler, the the regulatory specialist, and then how to launch, how to distribute those products. So that is our hero product, the planner for product development. But the cosmetic concept in general is that accessible resource provider for small businesses, for beautypreneurs, especially my black women beautypreneurs because the resources are so limited to what we can gain access to. So they can, of course, go through the cosmetic concept to get those resources. Hey, I'm looking for a branding consultant to help me launch my business. I'm looking for a manufacturer that can manufacture 300 units at a time. I'm looking for maybe a chemist in my area. All of those different things we're going to make sure we have resources for and also create a safe space. We typically don't have those safe spaces where we can just just talk, just talk about anything, talk about what our problems are, what our pain points are, what's working, what's not working. The cosmetic concept in def- definitely creates that space um, for product innovators and beautypreneurs. I love that. And I actually have one of the planners and it is so good. Thank you. No, I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm so happy you did this because like back in, what was it, like 2021 maybe, Mm -hmm. I wanted to do one. I wanted to do a planner. And when I was trying to get the planner designed, that that process was atrocious and it never came out. Um, So I'm so happy you did it because somebody needed to do it. But it was specifically for the same thing. And so when you sent it to me, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Like, it's so good. Good. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. I said I had to send Donnie one. She, she, she's been great, you know, with referring so many people to me. And, of course, our relationship with Retail Boss, it just made sense for me to send you one. <laughs> Thank you. And I meant to reach out and tell you that I had gotten it. But, yes, I have it. And it is so good. It is such a pretty, well-made planner. Thank you. And you do, you walk through all the steps in there. So it's, it really helps you 
just like I was saying a second ago, as you guys are listening to this, I'm sure you're trying to map everything out in your head, but like the planner will help you do it so that you don't have to have it all in your head and you know, you have a structure and a plan to follow. So I think it's great. And if you are trying to start a beauty brand, go get one, go get one of these planners. (laughs) Thank you. you. I appreciate that. Of course. Okay, so you are part of the Mid-Atlantic Society of Cosmetic Chemists. Mm -hmm. So can you explain, one, for the people that don't understand, because you know, like, it's one of those things, like, if you know, you know, but like, for the people that don't understand how cool that is, (laughs) could you explain what that is, as well as what the process was like for you to get into it? Yeah, absolutely. So the Society of Cosmetic Chemists is a nonprofit organization designed especially for cosmetic chemists and cosmetic chemists just doesn't mean formulators you know you can have sales representatives who are cosmetic chemists regulatory specialists um, presidents and ceos that are cosmetic chemists it's it's really a safe space once again where we can come together build educational programs for people that are looking to get into cosmetic science or just want to learn more about what cosmetic science is And we typically hold events based off of the chapter, based off of just the society in general to continue those educational platforms. You know, it's very, very strategic of how they do it. You know, you have in-person events, you have tech talks, you have um, social media engagement as well. They're doing a really good job with, with pushing that forward as far as the educational piece. But we need more cosmetic chemists to step up and, and really say, hey, we're here. This is what ingredients do. This is what they don't do. This is the toxicity. This is the non-toxicity. So the society is definitely pushing um, into that direction. Um, And they're also pushing that diversity and inclusion. You know, for years, for years, it's a certain standard of beauty. And the society is letting people know, hey, there's more than one standard. You know, this is an inclusive nonprofit. And for people like myself who are on the board for the Society of Cosmetic Chemists, we're using our voice um, to be to be that voice of the underrepresented groups, for sure. That's amazing. Thank you. I'm, I'm very proud of you for being a part of that. And I think it's just dope, like what you guys are committed to doing, honestly, and it's helping so many people. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that it continues going for as long as it can possibly go. Oh, yeah. um, because, mm-hmm. yes, because like you just said, like, there's just not a lot of resources um, to help us specifically, you know? Right. And I find that there's a disconnect. Um, mm-hmm. It's like, I just noticed that with, um, and, you know, there are people of all races that listen to the show. So when I say this, I don't even mean it. And I don't mean it to mean anything other than what it means. Right. So, <laughs> but um, a lot of times when white women come to me and they are looking to start their beauty brand or whatever, they have a lot more knowledge on the process and what that really looks like right? and um, how to do things. And I'm not saying every white woman knows all the things. That's not what I mean by that. But mm-hmm. I'm just saying in general, that has always been the case. Whereas with black women, when they come to me, their first thing is to be scrappy. Yeah. And they their first thing is to always like keep it really small and really scrappy and bare minimum. And I'm like, you're not you got to be thinking big, okay? <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. We got to think think on a larger scale. You know, we do have to think like our peers and and not think like our peers in a sense of, of doing it like them or doing it like, yeah. you know, what our peers are doing as far as the resources that they have gathered. 
but figure out how they're getting the resources. Build a relationship with them. You know, this is not a competition. We're all here together. We all work together. Yes, we want to do things a little bit different, but still, you know, get that that feedback and that advisory from that and then give back to your community. And that's something that I definitely wanted to implement, you know, learning things from, because with the Society of Cosmetic Chemists, it's majority white. It is, and you know, calling the spade a spade is the majority of white. University of Cincinnati, where I received my master's, majority white. The uh, lease owner here at this building is a white man. That's okay, you know, get close with them, you know, learn from your peers and then give back to your community. You know, take what you've learned and give back so that they can say, I learned from a black woman, or they can say, I learned from my black leader. It's, it's, it's all a triple, triple effect. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think also, too, that was um, that was something that I took great pride in when I was running Beauty Boss, because mm-hmm. I realized that really quickly that this was about more than just trying to teach some people how to start a beauty brand. Right. They people loved learning from me because they felt like they saw themselves in me. Mm-hmm. And there's something really impactful about that, because it's not just a thing of like, oh, you can only learn from someone that looks like you. It's more so that it makes it feel like it's doable. Yeah. You know, like it's achievable suddenly because you see yourself and you're like, oh, I can do this. Like this is possible. Absolutely. And so I think it's just really important the the way that we have to realize like the way that we get to these spaces and get to do these things is through putting ourselves in the spaces yeah. with the people that are not like us, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I love what y'all are doing. And um, thank you for even taking the time to be a part of something like that. Because you could just be like, whatever, and just be focusing on your business. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And I, I think that's why like my foundation, God made sure my foundation was strong. My foundation was about teaching and educating because an educator of mine, pushed me into cosmetic science. So it just made sense that I keep that legacy of education. Mm, it's always the teachers. The <laughs> teachers, we, I'm serious. Like, I, I think knowledge is so powerful, and it's, mm-hmm. but it's not just the knowledge. It's like when you're a teacher that can see something in somebody yeah. and you're able to pull it out, like that's when things really transform and go to the next level because, it allows people to believe in themselves. Right. And a lot of us have a hard time doing that. So that's beautiful. And thank you to your um, teacher years ago that said that to you, because now you're impacting so many people. Yes. So <laughs> <laughs> no, that's beautiful. Thank you. Okay. So question. If so, when, when people are starting um, their beauty brand, um, what is like the biggest thing that they need to be like when, when they're approaching this, what is the biggest thing that they need to be working on first before they even come to you before they like, is it the branding piece that we talked about? Or is there something else that someone should know when stepping into this to know if this is the right move for them? Yeah, I would first, first start off with your why, you know, why okay. are you getting into this business? Are you getting into this business because everybody else is getting into it? Or is there a genuine passion? For, for this business or for or seeing yourself in this business? You know, why do you need this business? You know, why do you need to be a part of the beauty industry when it comes to selling your own products? I would say that's number one. That's that's actually key. 
you know, with anything we do in life, we want to make sure we're asking ourselves why, like, what is our why? Why are we going to continue with this? For me, I can definitely say it's definitely challenging the status quo. That is, that is why I'm doing the cosmetic concept. That is why I'm doing Cindy J. You know, I, my parents are always going to be my number one, you know, so in order to make sure they're good, I need to challenge that status quo and help them get to where they want to be. And also my beautypreneurs um, get to a level where they should be. So that is something mm-hmm. that I definitely take pride in. So, I mean, if anyone wants that, why you can definitely take it <laughs> just in case you can't think of, but I would say it has to be deeper than money. It has to be deeper than wealth in general. When it comes to money, you know, you want to, mm-hmm. you want to get a little bit deeper. So I would say definitely start off with your why and then, you know, get into the branding. You know, the branding piece is going to be number one. Um, that is that is going to be something that people are going to look at first. They're not going to look at, oh, this is a toner. Um, let me try it. No, they're going to look at that brand. Like, what is, what is the brand's values? You know, what is the brand's mission? You know, are they here to truly help me or are they here because just everyone else is here? So are they here to take up space or are they here to, again, genuinely help those that need, you know, that solution? So I would say definitely think about your why. Definitely think about your branding and then you can tap in to the marketing. Then you can tap into research and development. And then after those things are done, we can get right into manufacturing. That's so good. So if someone is, if that is their main goal to make money from this, would you say this is not the best industry for that? Or would you say that it it's more so a long game? I would say it's more so a long game um, because, you know, everyone in this business is here to make money. I mean, that's just, you know, we're, we like money. I'm pretty sure we yes. all like money. It's not everything, but it definitely helps us with our bills. <laughs> when it comes yeah. to that. So, you know, but we want to, in order to get to a certain level of, maybe comfort or stability, it has to be deeper than money. You know, it can mm. be, how can I double this tomorrow? Or how can I triple this next year? Yes, think about those things when it comes to benefiting your business, but what is fulfilling yourself? You know, how are you being fulfilled? Is it the money? Or is it being, being with your family, having more time with your family? Or is it building a family? Or, you know, investment, real estate, whatever the case may be, you know, you have to think deeper than that money, than that money portion. No, facts. Mm -hmm. Big facts. (laughs) (laughs) No, for real, because there are going to be moments where, I I mean, we just talked about the process of developing the brand in general, but like, Mm -hmm. even just putting out new products, you have to restart the whole product development process. And it's not a slow process, even getting into stores and this this is one of those businesses where every part of it can feel like an uphill battle because there's so many steps, like so many regulations, so many, you know what I mean? Like you have to do things the right way if you're going to really grow it. So right. you really have to feel like this is this is something greater than just, oh, let me make some money off of this. Because if you just want to make some money, there's some other business ideas that I would recommend first. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is a question I ask everyone that comes on the show. Mm-hmm. What does it mean to you to be a wealthy woman? Ooh, that just gave me chills. Uh, I would say definitely just like my last, my last statement, it's all about fulfillment. Wealthy, the, the term wealth or being a wealthy woman is how am I being fulfilled, but also how am I giving back? 
I love Jay-Z. Jay-Z is, to me, I think is one of the greatest rappers. I mean, other people have, you know, other opinions. It is what it is. But <laughs> Jay-Z always says, you know, you're not rich until the next person is rich with you. And rich Ooh. does not need to, to mean money. It can mean mindset. It can mean your, your spirituality. It can mean, you know, again, comfort level, mindset. So if that next person is not rich with you, if they're not being wealthy with you, then are you wealthy? So that is, okay. <laughs> so it's all about that fulfillment and abundance and how you're giving back to you know to your community or to the next person it doesn't have to be a large community it doesn't have to be the entire world and i think that's where especially us black women we try to tackle the entire world we try to make sure that the entire world is on our page and sometimes we don't need that stress we don't as long as there are a couple people here and there that can ride with us to the top we're good you know, we're good. So yeah. I would definitely say, you know, that's my definition for sure. Mm, that was beautiful. That was so beautiful. That's the best response. You don't have to answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was really good, though. That was very, like, such a good answer. Um, and I think that's something for people to really sit with. I think it really will help people reflect, honestly, on their motives and why they're doing what they're doing. But how can people find you? How can people work with you? Let them know. Yes, absolutely. So you can definitely work with me um, using my website, www.cindyjlabs.com. That's Cindy, the letter J, labs, L-A-B-S dot com. And I'm also on Instagram as well as Cindy J Labs. And then you can also follow the cosmetic concept for those of you who are looking for that planner for product development. Our Instagram handle is at the cosmetic concept. And then whew, our website, real quick about this website. I decided to, to register the cosmetic concept. The next day, someone took the cosmetic concept.com. <laughs> so I had to add LLC.com. So it's a very long website. So it's the cosmetic concept LLC.com. For the cosmetic products. Are, are they using it yet? No, the website? They're waiting for me to buy it. It's like 900 something dollars for me to buy it. Oh, they're childish. <laughs> oh, they're childish. Okay, that's what we're doing. But that's all right. We'll just add LLC to that. Period. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're going to get it from a. I'm waiting on somebody to sell me wealthy woman. I'm. Honestly, wealthywoman.com, if you go to it, it's like a site with a password. And I'm really scared that they're doing some like weird trafficking stuff on there. I'm real scared. It's like in a different language. It's weird. Yeah. Um, but it's okay because we're gonna get it from it. <laughs> we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Um, but no, actually, side note, and this is something for everyone that's listening too. If you have the trademark and stuff like that, you can prove that you've been in business and all that, you um, legally, they can be forced into selling it to you. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, yes, there, it'll be a price involved, but they can be forced into handing it over. So it's cool, girl. You don't get your own website. It's fine. You keep that. You keep that. <laughs> okay. For now. <laughs> 
yes. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. This was a pleasure. And everyone go check her out, please. Thank you. And Donnie, I just love everything about this podcast. You are doing an amazing job. This was very refreshing, of course. I know it was refreshing for you, too, because like you said, you're you're getting back into the beauty industry, you know, talking about the beauty industry. So thank you so, so much for inviting me onto your podcast. Thank you. Oh, my heart. <laughs>